long series this year uh, called The Year of the Bible. And at Northwood, we're reading through the one-year Bible together. If you're a guest here today, and we'd love for you to join us in that. And uh, uh, through, the, through the course of the year, we've taken... We've taken and developed our sermons based on that week's reading. We're going to do the same today. We're going to be in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Um, we, we've, we've really grown as a church. We're growing in our depth and our maturity because we're reading the Bible. Come on, somebody say, yes, that's me. We're growing in our relationship with Christ and our understanding of him. We're also growing in our understanding of, of uh, how we, we need help, right? We need help. And today we're going we're gonna to see, I think, I think the opening prayer for this message today is, Lord, I need help. Can we just say that together? Lord, I need help. And uh, he's going to give it to us. And so a little context here, Luke chapter 10, Jesus is... is um, He's got his disciples. He's walking uh, through healing people, the sick. He's, he's raising the dead. He's multiplying food and feeding people. The people love him. But then in the same uh, way that the people love him, the religious people, the ones who don't like change, right, James? Uh, we, they were really mad at him. They wanted, to, uh, they wanted to do away with him. He was rogue. He was not... Uh, going along and playing with the, with the system that was in place. And so he was the rogue rabbi. Uh, and so they were really mad at him. In Luke chapter 10, verse 25, it says, one day an expert, well, somebody say expert. We're experts, guys. We're experts. We have more knowledge than probably a lot of the people of Jesus's day concerning the Bible. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus. Hold on to that. That's going to be a big part of today. That he stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Okay, it's seemingly a valid question. You know, how many of you would love it if somebody says, hey man, how do I get saved, right? You think, oh, what a great question. I'd love to answer that. He was testing Jesus. Jesus replied, verse 26, what does the law of Moses say? Pointed him back to the law. How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And he, he did finish it out strong. He said, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Wanting to justify his actions, such a powerful phrase. Wanting to justify his actions. I believe you and I, deep down inside, really, really, really in our lives want to justify our actions. We don't want to be wrong. And if we are wrong and we're taking right steps, we want to be justified in that. We want to know that the life we're living, am I right? The life we're living is on track. How many, how many in here you say, I would love to know that my life I'm living is on track. We want to know that. And so you can see some innocence here, but then the word test, and, and a few scriptures up there comes to mind. He's testing Jesus. He probably already had solidified the answer in his mind. He knew he was just testing Jesus. And who is my neighbor, Jesus? Hoping that Jesus would deviate from the rabbinical code, the rabbinical law, and he would be able to say, ah, gotcha, that's it. We're that way too sometimes. Everybody has an ego. I see this guy has an ego. I see, I'm reading this story and I see this guy. He's got an ego. He's got an ego. Now, ego is God-given, so we all have one and they're okay. They're okay until they get rotten, until they think that, well, well an ego is, is that part of us that gives us this ability to see ourselves with value, our self-worth, our self-righteousness. 
our self-ability, self-sufficiency. Our ego is first cousin to self. We all have one. It's when the ego, it's when this guy's ego, it's when our ego begins to tell us that I got this, that we go wrong. Our ego gets rotten. You know, have you ever had eggs? You let them sit in the fridge too long, you know, or milk sit in the fridge too long. I looked at our gallon of milk. I'm going to tell on us, babe. I looked at it. It was only a half gallon left, but uh, I looked at it the other day, first part of April, and it had March 12th on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was right as I was about to pour me a glass. I mean, you know, rotten milk is no good. So we got rid of the rotten milk, but so often we have rotten egos. I think this guy had a rotten ego. He had a, he had a maybe it was learned behavior. Maybe he grew up in that system. He, he, he hung around guys that were that way. That's all they thought about was how we can do right, how we can you know, hold things together, hold our lives together. We're gonna please God in the way we act. And so they, they, they walked that path. That's how he was. That's who he was. That's what he had been taught. So he had the same idea. So he came to test Jesus because he was untested, right? He was the rogue rabbi and he wanted wanted to see, is this guy legit? And Jesus said, I am legit. I'm too legit to quit. <laughs> no, Jesus didn't say that, but he could have. Sorry, I just read a meme that said that recently and stuck with me. I wondered where I would use it. Here it is. All right, so, so who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor, right? And so Jesus replied in verse 30 with a story. Jesus is the master storyteller. I'm gonna read this story today and I want you to listen closely because I believe God's gonna help you locate yourself in this story today. I believe that all of us can do that. He replied with a story. He said this, he said, a Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho. and He was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by him. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. He went and looked at him, but then he kept going past on the other side. Verse 33, then a despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins and telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Jesus tells a story. I have to believe like us in the crowd that that day as Jesus told that story, conviction began to fall on the people around. Who is my neighbor? And Jesus begins to tell this story and all of a sudden people started hearing the story from Jesus, the convictor, the master storyteller. And they began to see, man, that's, that's me. I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go back into the story and, and I'm gonna pull out the three people that are mentioned here. And I, I believe we're gonna see ourselves in this. If you're a note taker and you're writing the, these things down, I want you to write down, we, come on, somebody say me. We see people as victims to exploit. There was a brutal bandit in this story. We forget about the brutal bandit. He's just the guy who beats everybody up. 
This road to Jericho was traveled by more than 10,000 people a year. It was called the, the, the trail of blood or the blood trail because so many people got beat up. It was known to have bandits, robbers, thieves hiding out in the crevices of the rocks. They would jump out and they would, they would, they would eyeball people. They would jump out and they would beat them up and take their possessions. And uh, this bandit had an attitude or a perspective. His perspective was what you have is mine and I'll take it. Having an ego that gets rotten at this point in the story, in this point of the message, has a hard time connecting with the bandit. We, we do. Yet, I'm convinced that I'm the bandit. I think many of you are the bandit too. What you have is mine and I'll take it. Our ego causes us to be so caught up in ourselves, so self-aware, so, so involved in looking out for our own lives and our own comforts and our own needs and our, our own desires and our own journey, our own track. We're so caught up in that that we actually abuse the people in our lives. Our ego, when it gets rotten, causes us to take advantage of others, not to consider that other people have those same needs. And, and so we see people as victims to exploit so many times in our lives. How many times has a father gotten angry and exploded in front of his wife or in front of his children, not considering the damage that he would be doing to them for the rest of their lives? I was sitting with a couple recently who were having marital problems, a young couple in their mid-30s. And so after they told about how, how much they hated each other and how their fights looked and they got into all that, I said, hey, can you tell me a little bit about when you were a kid? I just like to go there sometimes, probably shouldn't, a little meddling, you know, and, uh, but but it's like helpful. So I, I said, hey, can you tell me about your kid? And they, they just sat in silence for a moment. And then they said, well, she went first. And she said, you know, I didn't have a good childhood. When I was, when I was four years old, my cousin molested me. He was a thief. He stole from her. He abused her. She told the story and my heart just broke. Then we got to the man. And he said, when I was eight years old, my stepdad sexually molested me. It'd be so easy for you and I to look at this couple and to pass judgment on them and to say, you know, come on, get it all together. Read a marriage book, go to a marriage retreat and get your marriage right. Yet they've been abused. Now here's the crazy thing on, all over the room here. Many of you have had the same story of abuse in your life and you're hurt and you've got issues because of that. You've got damage in your life. Someone brutally beats you when you were young or when you were a teenager. You got rejection from your parents or maybe you're divorced three times over. You've been rejected, rejected, rejected. And, and here you are today. You're just, you're just a robber because hurt people hurt people. And you can deny all day long that you've hurt somebody, that you're hurting people. I'm not doing that. That's not me. I'll never be like my father. And then you turn out like your father. Hurt people hurt people. We're all to some degree a thief, a robber. We just read recently in the one-year Bible, Leviticus chapter 25, it says in verse 17, show your fear of God by not taking advantage of each other. You know why God had to put this in the Bible? because we're prone to take advantage of each other. We don't consider the waitress at the restaurant when she waits on us and she doesn't do the best job. We don't consider that maybe she just lost a loved one 
Or maybe her child is sick at home and she has to work instead of nurturing him. We don't consider the grocery store attendant. We don't consider the feelings of our coworkers or our classmates. We just want them to do right. Do what we want. Get out of my space. You're making me uncomfortable and we live our lives as a thief, as a robber. Hurt people hurt people. If you take a note, the second person we see here in this story, it's actually two, the religious people. Write this down. We see people as problems to avoid. We see people as problems to avoid. We've got two religious people here. One of them's the priest and one of them's the Levite or the uh, temple worker. Um, I, I'll read this story. I always transpose that as to the preacher and, uh, and maybe the church goer or the church leader, you know. But I think, I think all, of us, all of us in this room could find ourselves somewhere in these two men, says of the preacher, he walked on the other side. He, he, he was busy. He had things to do, places to be, people to meet with. He had budgets to work on. He had things to do. I ain't got time for that. And ain't nobody got time for that. And he just went around the other side. Didn't he, he didn't want to look at the guy because then he might get conviction. He had to go. And then you got the temple worker, the Levite, who was at least a little more curious, you know, well, I remember the preacher said that to be like God, I'm supposed to be compassionate. So he went over and, and he looked. Ouch, that's got to hurt. And then he went on the other side of the road and he walked away. Both these guys are a picture of religion and how religion can affect, affect us in our lives. Instead of being compassionate like Christ, instead of reaching out to the people in our lives, whether they're close to us or whether they're strangers, instead of being compassionate, we oftentimes avoid people. We have good excuses, good excuses. I mean, we, we are a busy people and we've got our own homes to take care of, right? I mean, I can't give $20 to the guy on the corner who's, who's down and out because I've got to buy food for my kids, right? Come on, somebody say, right. Yeah, help me, help me feel better, you know? I mean, you know, so we avoid people. We, we distance ourselves from people. Um, and then the whole idea of religion tells us and trains us that, that we're defined by our conduct. And so we've got to be, we've got to be good, right? We've got to be good. And religion trains us that to be good and to maintain our goodness um, that we need to stay away from non-good, right? We need to stay away from, you know, the center. We need to stay away from the people out there that are living it up, drinking those partiers and uh, your neighbor, right? You know, they're over there doing drugs, old crackhead. You know what I'm saying? You know, look, come on, look at the person next to you and just say, crackhead, just say it. No, don't do that. Don't do that. We stay away from our neighbors because they're crackheads or they're whatever, you know? Their kids are bad influences, so we tell our kids, stay away from Johnny, you know? You hang out on the corner with Johnny, you're gonna turn out just like Johnny, you know, stay away. You know, I think there's good principles inside there, but uh, at the same time, it's part of this religious idea that we need to be good, getting gooder, and we're our goodest when we're not around the non-good. Yeah. Because... We think that our identity is founded in our conduct. What that does though, is it, it feeds our insecurities. Come on, we all have those. And it causes us to think that we're better than others. I don't know if that preacher and that temple worker didn't think, you know, he got what he deserved. Or, you know, if he hadn't been such a sinner, he wouldn't have got beat up like that. 
well, you know, I would help you, but uh, I don't know you and uh, I don't wanna be associated with you. You know, I help you and then everybody thinks, you know, I'm a friend and, and we get that whole identity thing weird. I'm just gonna mind my own business, right? Because it's safer there. Come on, shake your head. That's how we are. We all have a thief in us and we all have this religious person in us. You know, it's funny, Jesus said in Matthew 7, don't judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And yet we judge. You know, I was having breakfast with uh, one of the leaders at the Wiggins campus Thursday, no, Friday morning, Friday morning. Uh, and I, I was having breakfast. We finished eating breakfast and he was like, I got the bill, you know. So we got up to the register and he's just, I mean, I love this guy. He's one of my best friends. And he just, he was like, looked at me there, you know, we're, we're, we're paying, he's paying. And he looked at me and he said, hey, my goal is 50. I had absolutely no idea what he was talking about. You know, hey, my goal is 50. <laughs> I just laughed. I said, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have no idea. And uh, he said, I know, I know as Christians, we're not supposed to wager, but me and one of the guys at the church got a bet of who can bring the most people to church on Easter Sunday. My goal is 50. He said, I'm up to 35, 36. Hey, what you do on Easter Sunday to the attendant? You know, and I'm, I'm standing here going, I, I already had this sermon in me, right? I already know the scripture, you know. I'm going right now, I just feel like a thieving believer, a thieving preacher, you know? I mean, I feel so, oh man. And he said, but I gotta keep it up because I got my kids involved and they're tracking right behind me. He's got kids that are, that are well, one's grown, one's 15, one's uh, 13, and one's about nine. And he said, they're tracking right behind me. And I just thought, dude, you know why we don't invite anybody? Easter's next Sunday. Easter's next Sunday. The greatest day of the year for church. It's, it's the most attended day of the year uh, uh, globally for the, the, the church. And, and the reason people don't come, you know why people won't come next week? Because we don't invite them. But because we're the thief and because we're religious, because we're like, well, you know, we size them up. We judge them. Judge not, lest you be judged. We judge them. Well, they wouldn't come. They wouldn't like our style of worship. I mean, Pastor Jordan, when he sings, it's like, you know, it's like, I don't think they'll like that. You know, yeah. We, we, we size them up. We judge them, you know. They probably wouldn't like the coffee, you know. They, they would probably judge us. Well, that's the good justification for not inviting them because nobody likes to be judged. Even Jesus says, judge not, right? He said, we don't want to be judged, but yet we judge them. Religion is nasty when you have a rotten ego. Religion can be beautiful when your ego is submitted to God. When you have a rotten ego, religion can be so nasty. It separates us from the actual work of Jesus, which is to seek and save the lost and to destroy the works of the enemy. That's exactly what Jesus came to do. That's exactly what Jesus challenges the church to do. But we get so involved and in, you know what? I wrote this in my notes. We, we, we put so much energy into avoiding our sin that we never live the true Christian life. We work so hard to be good, getting gooder. And all of our energy goes into that. As opposed to sinking our energy into doing the work that Jesus called us to do. You know, 
every single person in this room should have a goal of inviting three people to next Sunday's two services here, three in Long Beach, two in Weekends. That should be our minimum goal. Here's the deal. It's almost a guarantee that if you'll get them in the seat, God will get them to a place of salvation. And wait, stop clapping because you're convicting yourself. When we, when, we, when we don't invite them, we look at them on the side of the road, size them up, and we keep on trucking. And we're at church. The earth will quake and tremble before him. Not once does our conscience say, yeah, the earth quaked one time when he cried out and died on a cross and said, it's finished for them just as much as it's finished for me but they're not here. If there's an empty seat beside you today, you should put your hand on it and pray, God, let me fill it next week. Let me get them in your presence. The third person we see on the road, if you're taking notes, we can write this down. Third person is this despised Samaritan. That's the New Living Translation version. I love how it says the despised, not just a Samaritan, but a despised Samaritan. Write this down. We see people as opportunities to love. That's what the Samaritan did. The preacher walked by, the the religious person walked by, but the Samaritan, when he saw the beaten, broken man on the side of the road, he had compassion, the Bible says. And he realized this is an opportunity for me to share love. The despised Samaritan says, what's mine is yours and I'll gladly share it. Freely I received, freely I give. That's a scripture that we should live by. Luke 6, 31 in the message tells us, here's a simple rule of thumb for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. The Samaritan set this example that has been preached about for 2000 years after the story Jesus told that day. The Samaritan's example shows a love that honors others that has compassion on others, that places value on others. And I want you to just just think for a second about the people in your life. Maybe those people closest to you, maybe the person here with you today, your family, close friends. Uh, Think about those people that aren't so close to you, your coworkers, your classmates. And then think about those people you don't even know that, that you see a lot, you know, and When Jesus tells this story, I, I just, I, it just, it gets me. I just think, do, do I really add value to people? Do I look at people with great value, with great worth? Or am I too busy to do that? Or am I too caught up in myself and my ego, my rotten ego to do that? Jesus wants us to add value like the Samaritan. Not only did he honor others, but the Samaritan showed love by serving others. It's one thing to say you love. It's another thing to actually love. Actually, I would say love is not love until love is proven with action. And the Samaritan didn't just say, man, that's so bad, dude. Let me pray for you. Because <laughs> we do that. Oh, you got a broken leg? Oh, dude, let me pray for you. How about, how about the Samaritan? He, he bandages his wounds you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. We, I, I read into the story. You know, he had, he had some oil and some wine on his cart, right? Or, or where his, ho- his horse, his donkey, whatever it was. He had that because he immediately was able to pour in that to ease the pain, the immediate pain. You know, he, he was able to do something right then, an immediate need. Uh, we were talking this morning as we were ironing um, about uh, generosity. Somebody gave us some money. And anytime somebody gives us some money, we try to give some money, right? We, 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 we love to do that, you know? And so they, they, 
sowed it as a seed into our lives. And so we sow some of that into other people's lives. And Angela's like, you know, I was thinking we should do this with some of that money. And I, and I, forgot, I forgot that I had already done something with all that money that we talked about twice over. You know, it's like, you know, somebody gave us some money and I'm like, let's do it. And then we usually talk about it, but I didn't, forgive me, honey. But, we, uh, but, but it's like, you know, we, we, we give. It's an immediate wine and oil in the wound with a gentleman recently who, who he hadn't made any money in three weeks and his, his, his house note was due. He was having to call the, the bank, right? And say, I can't pay. And he had no money. And so I, I did, I prayed with the guy. I could have stopped there because he felt better. But I said, dude, and I pulled out 40 bucks. Well, all I had was 40 bucks. And I said, here, buy some gas. I'll help you get to work a few more days and make some money. It was oil, it was wine poured in the wound. We've, we've got to put action. And then he didn't stop here. He didn't just serve him, but, but, but he also took him to the end and he sacrificed. When you, when you know you're getting it, when you know that, that the thief and the robber and the, and the religious person in you is, is not getting the best of you, but the Samaritan has come out of you is when you, not just a little, but it costs you something. When you sacrifice for other people, I believe, this is my opinion, I believe that all of heaven perks up when we sacrifice for others. We say we wanna be like Christ, yet we're never like Christ. Jesus didn't sit around reading the Bible and praying. He might've done that, but he spent most of his time sacrificing for others. You wanna be like Christ, you sacrifice. It hurts. I believe all of heaven looks over the rails of heaven and says, guys, come here, come here. This is an anomaly. This doesn't happen very often. But look, he just sacrificed for that other guy. Hey, hey, he doesn't even like him. <laughs> I just think that. That's the way I think. And the Samaritan's example, where it, really, where it really goes over the top here, guys, and this is, this is crazy. But not only did he honor and value that beaten, broken man, not only did he serve him, but in the mix of all this, in the context of all this, he had to forgive him. Because see, prejudice wasn't something that happened in the 60s in the United States. Prejudice has began in the beginning. And there was a great prejudice. That beaten, broken man had great prejudice towards that Samaritan. The Samaritans were considered dogs. And in order for this Samaritan man to get off of his mule and to walk over and to have compassion on this hurt person, first in his heart on that journey, that long 10 steps, he, he had to do something that many of us are not willing to do. He had to forgive that man. He had to forgive that man. And that's not easy. You know, it's not, how I many of you know it's not easy. He had to forgive that man for, for his whole life being raised as a dog, for his whole life, the prejudice, the inequality, all of the issues, all of the, you know, all of the different uh, effects of prejudice. He had felt those and he had to, in 10 steps, he had to say, I forgive this man. And he did. And he treated him like he was his own. He gave him great value and great worth. And he sacrificed for him. I'll tell you, 
Matthew 25, this is not gonna be on the wall, but Matthew 25 tells us where Jesus comes and he sets up his throne and all of his holy angels with him. And he divides the nations. He brings them to himself and he divides the nations. And someone is right, someone is left. He calls them the sheep and the goats. And he tells those that were on his right hand, he says, well done, you blessed of my father. Well done. You gave to me when I was sick. You came to me in the hospital. You fed me when I was hungry. You clothed me when I was naked. Well done. And they said, Lord, when? And he said, when you did it to the least of these, when you did it to the broken, beaten man on the side of the road, you did it unto me. And then he looked to those on his left. Not so good. Not so good. Where would we be today? Would we be on his right or his left based on the life that we've lived? When's the last time you went to the jail to visit someone? When's the last time you gave someone food to eat because they were hungry? When's the last time you clothed the naked person or bought food for people, for their family? When's the last time you did anything for anybody besides yourself and your family? This story stings. Who's my neighbor? Jesus looked at that religious man and he said in verse 36, now which of these three would you say is a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked, the question and the man replied and he said what he can only say the one who showed him mercy and then Jesus said something that we need to hear today he said then yes now go and do the same now go and do the same go to the people that you know the people that are like you your people and do the same love them go to the people that are like you out there but you don't yet know them do the same Go to the people you don't know and some of you would say, I don't even like them and do the same. Make a difference in their life. Good question for us here today. Do my actions indicate that I'm the bandit, the thief? Do my actions indicate that I'm the the religious man? trying to justify my actions, justify my my identity based on my actions, or am I the Samaritan? Truth be known, we're probably a little bit all of those, but more than that, everyone in this room today, at some point in your life, maybe here today, is the beaten, broken man on the side of the road. Life has overcome you, life has hurt you, people have hurt you. You've been crushed, you've been bruised, you've been rejected. And Jesus is the good Samaritan. And he sacrificed without question of whether it's right or wrong. He sacrificed without hesitation because you had great worth to him. And not only has he bandaged our wounds and poured healing into us, but he sent his Holy Spirit to complete the work. You know, I've been at Northwood. I've been saved for 25 years, almost 26. I've been at Northwood for 22 of those years. And over the years, um, I had the privilege of working in what we used to call encounters, um, where we, we got away for weekends and we... We got healing, we got free, we got forgiveness and all those things. And 
you know, after doing that for so, I, I think I, I worked in like 28, 30 different encounters over the years. And then with our LIFE small groups now, which we, we do because we realize that everybody has issues and we, we don't get help from our issues unless we address our issues. So we have LIFE small groups to do that now. And then there's a retreat. I've been to several of those. And uh, I was telling the staff pastors recently over the years, I've, I've found myself thinking I was healed. that I had dealt with everything. And then out of the blue last year, just one day, God said, nope, you're not. You've got insecurity and it affects everything you say and do. So I began to wrestle with that in small ways. Actually, I began to live in denial. That's what I really did. Moved to Egypt. That's where, the, that's where denial is. Um, and... <laughs> I began to embrace though, okay, it's possible. And, and then over the course of the last six months, I've really realized that I do. I do, I do have insecurity. Now it's not like in my face every day, but it's deep underlying. If it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, you know, if, if it was just Jesus, I, I would say, you know what, I'm healed. But then the Holy Spirit's like, nah, let's walk that out. Let's deal with that. And some of you, he's dealing with you today. The Holy Spirit is dealing with you today. And it may be insecurity. It may be unforgiveness. It, it may be, uh, your lack of compassion. It, it can be so many things. The Holy Spirit's dealing with you though. And I'm gonna encourage you today as we wrap things up here that uh, it'd be good to surrender to that. It'd be good to let God, let God convict you and, and to take your next step. You know, the best way to show love, and that's what we talked about today, is to know love. Let's take some time to, to talk to Jesus. Can you get along with God right there where you are? Once you get alone with God, right where you are there, nobody looking around. And let's just take a moment to welcome Jesus. Welcome the Holy Spirit. Welcome that conviction. God, let the words that were spoken today do more than just sound good, just another good story, another laugh. God, I wanna, I wanna be honest and transparent and come on all over the room. I just think we should just say, God, I'm opening up. And I'm letting you look in. Holy Spirit, convict me of what you see there. Help me to be healed. Help me to grow. Help me to respond to you. Come on, there's some of you here today that you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never said yes to God. And you're here today and he's reaching his hand out and he's saying, hey, I love you. And where you thought for so long that he was mad at you, the truth is he's, madly in love with you and he's ready to he's ready to save you today maybe like pastor jordan shared earlier you got saved when you were young five seven eight twelve years old you walked an aisle prayed a prayer maybe you even joined a church and got baptized but then over the course of years you've just kind of walked away from god and the last five ten twenty thirty some of you fifty years you've walked separate from god and he's here today reaching his hand out saying i love you and i want to restore you so either way, that's you. You find yourself ready to meet Jesus today. I'm gonna pray and I wanna, I wanna invite you to be a part of this prayer. I'm not gonna ask you to stand up or come up front, but what I would like you to do to acknowledge your God in this moment, all I would like you to do is just simply slip your hand up and put it right back down. Come on, all over the room. Come on, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Somebody else, God bless you. God bless you. 
come on. You're like, God's, yes, sir, I see that hand. God bless you. So, yes, God bless you in the back over here. Yes, God bless you. Yes, ma'am. God bless you in the back right here, yes. Come on, somebody, I see that hand. Yes, ma'am. Come on, this is you and Jesus now. Yes, God bless you. Yes. And he's saying, I see that hand. Yes, to my right, I see that hand. God bless you. He's like, you know, this is it. Free pass. Welcome home. And all you got to do is say yes. The Bible tells us if you believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins, you confess it with your mouth that you'd be saved. He's like, all you got to do is say yes. Come on, those of you that raised your hand, we're going to pray. Anybody, you didn't, you didn't raise your hand, but you say, you know what? That's me, Pastor. I want to be a part of that. You didn't raise your hand. Just go ahead and throw it up and put it right back down. Yes. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. Come on, we're going to pray. If you raise your hand, just, just say something like this. Say, say, God in heaven. Come on, help us out all over the room. Say, God in heaven, please forgive me for my sins. I turn from them today and I ask you to save me. Come live inside of me. Teach me to know you. Teach me to love you. I say this, say, I give you all of me, Jesus, and I receive all of you. Amen. Amen. Everybody look real quick. Everybody look. If you raised your hand all over the room, so many, so many hands. If you raised your hand and you prayed that prayer. This is what you, you need to hear this. This is what your God says to you right now. When you confess those sins, when you gave them to God, when you cried out to God, this is what the Bible says, that he is faithful and just to forgive those sins. He says, your sins are forgiven. All right. All right. That's good. That's good. Your sins are forgiven. The Bible goes on to say that he separates those sins as far as the east is from the west. He's done with that. And now he's saying, come on, let's go live the adventure. Come on, let me show you how it's done. Just hold my hand. Don't look away. Just follow me. I'll be with you all the way. He also, he also would encourage you that there are a lot of people that have been waiting for this moment to be able to help you in your next steps. There's a lot of people that have prayed for you. There's a lot of people that have worked hard to create environments for you to experience your God in a special way. And they're still there waiting for you so they can help you take your next steps to experiencing your God. And it's a good life. Through the ups and downs, he will never leave you or forsake you. One more time, give it up for those who made decisions today. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we want to send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.